Welcome to Spotlight ETSU. I'm your host, Stephen Jansen. On today's episode, we have the one and only Pat Cronin, director of the theater department's production of Rent and professor of the arts here at ETSU. Stay tuned, we are turning on the Spotlight. We're here in the studio today with Spotlight ETSU to talk to Pat Cronin, one of the really well-known uh, theater professors here at the university. Everybody knows Pat. So, Pat, <laughs> thank you for being on the show with us today. We're My glad pleasure. to have you. Oh, happy to be here. All right. So, first off, we want to start off. Uh, you know, what's your background? Where are you from? I was born in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. My parents are from Ireland. Uh, my mother was born in Mayo, and my father was born in Cork. Many legendary stories about them, so uh, <laughs> nothing written, thank God. Um, but my mother actually, and I verified this in Ireland two years ago, um, she came to this country indentured to the Catholic Church. Not legal, but apparently, but with the church it is. So she worked for five years scrubbing floors wow. to get her citizenship because her they were starving to death mm -hmm. in Mayo and uh, famine and... Uh, my father ostensibly was a gun runner for the Irish Republican Army. I wasn't totally able to verify that, but he did live in Cork, and mm -hmm. they were, that's where Michael Collins, the great Irish rebel, came from, and his home was around the corner, so around the farm. And um, anyway, my mother and father met in Philly, and uh, rather strange, they uh, only had one child, me, which, you know, I went to school, Catholic school, and Everybody was one of eight or 10 or 12. <laughs> Stood out like a sore thumb, huh? Oh yeah, that wasn't pleasant. Um, but there it was. And uh, I grew up with Irish music and Irish storytelling. My parents weren't literate by any stretch, but they loved the song and they loved the story. And actually how I got into show business, you're gonna be my Jay Leno or my Johnny Carson. <laughs> Fair enough. Everybody goes on a talk show and says, oh, I saw Richard Burton in Hamlet and then I, not quite. I was three, a little, little younger than three, and I was singing country and western songs. I loved Gene Autry, and I was singing Red River Valley. Mm -hmm. And my father, who was gone a lot, uh, saw me, heard me, said, what are you doing, boy? I said, I'm singing. He said, well, if you're gonna be singing, let's sing something good. And he carried me upstairs. He put me on the toilet, which I was, that was symbolic. And then he taught me Danny Boy, The Rose of Trolley, and um, Boys from the County Cork. And then he picked me up and carried me to the local bar. There was a bar on every corner. And he said, put me on the bar. I was, as I say, under three. And he said, all right, buddy. And he drank shots and beers. And he had ordered one. He said, now start singing. And I went, oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes. There was a bunch of men down the bar. They said, give that man a drink. No, he's too young. Give his old man a drink. So I got into show business so my father could drink. Why not? Then I did see Richard Burton do Hamlet, so it did get better. <laughs> so it all worked out. It the, worked yeah. out, yes. Very cool. So I guess your background, and I remember an anecdote that you had in class once where you would uh, go with your mother uh, while she job hunted. Yes. Uh, I was trying, as you recall in the class, um, talking about white male privilege, talking about how racism functions, how ethnicity uh, categories function. It's not just about black and white. Mm -hmm. um, so my mother was a cleaning lady, and we would go to uh, Bryn Mawr, which was the fancy 
main line of Philadelphia. And she'd actually go to Ardmore where the cleaning services were, where they would hire domestics. And I was six, maybe, five or six. And we'd walk down the street, I can still see it, and there'd be huge signs in the windows, no mix need apply. And of course, our class didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But Mick was a pejorative term for Irish people, as in Mick Sorley, Mick McNamara, oh. Mick Flynn. So we got known as Micks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all ethnic groups ha- were put into boxes. So the Irish were great people, but they drank too much. Mm-hmm. And the Polish people were nice people, but they weren't very bright. And, and, and all of these sure, cliches sure. permeated our lives. And I was trying to explain to people when these things happen... Here I am at 74, and I can see that little boy at six. And I turned to my mother, and I said, Mom, what's a mick? You know, and I could just imagine being black and, you know, the N-word and trying to figure out why am I Mm -hmm. being hurt like this or why are these things happening? So hopefully we try to do a better job than was done. I don't know that we succeed all the time, but we try. Mm So how would you say then, uh, you know, with, with your father, you know, putting you up on the bar to sing, that's a very, that's a very clear, you know, influence into your performance uh, or into going into a performance industry. Uh, how would you say those experiences with your mother, for example, though, uh, kind of influenced you to uh, what you do today? Good or, question. you know, kind of how did they influence your upbringing and deciding what you were going to do with your life? Yeah. My mother would have liked a nice priest. Mm-hmm. So, and I went to 16 years of Catholic school. So priest was a possibility. Um, my father, I don't think, cared much one way or the other just because he was drinking. Um, so as I grew up, I always loved to sing. I was the Irish singer. I was on the Horn and Heart of Children's Hour. I was on radio in 1944. I was on television in 1946. I had a television show when I was 11 in Scranton, Pennsylvania, called Stars of Tomorrow, about young people. Really? Yeah, I was in in the beginning days of television. I mean, there was a time when um, there were what were called Mm O&Os, so CBS, NBC, ABC had five pilot stations. Right. And one of the pilot stations for CBS was in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And they actually did live television well into the 50s. They did a cowboy show. Uh, that filmed in Fairmont Park. So it wasn't clear that New York and L.A. would become the dominant cities in television. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, you know, I was in on the beginnings of a lot of that. And uh, so the influence of the Catholic Church, the influence of being Irish, and the storytelling, all of these produced what you see. Uh, performance became really just my way of life. <laughs> That's <laughs> that it. Is, that is a crazy story. It I is. mean, you know, every once in a while, I think it's just... It's wonderful when you meet somebody and you have these crazy stories, and you're like, man, I, just, I wish my life were like that. But no, then sometimes, you, you, you know, it's you, just like, you know. It's, one of the things, I'm married to Dr. Amber Kinzer, which is my partner, and she's <laughs> uh, chair of our new department, Communication and Performance. And we talk a lot about my experiences at 74. I hope the students will take in perspective and say, well, I'm 19. Mm-hmm. So I'm not 74, and I haven't had, you know, two wives, and I haven't had this, that, and the other thing. But I want them to know maybe 10 years from now when they have a bad experience. My, my second wife died of lung cancer, terrible experience. I'm sorry. 
and you know had two sons who were 17 and 16 the day she died that was awful mm -hmm. and they're still recovering from that so i want my students to know that we live our lives and then we share that experience so that we're all part of a tribe i believe human tribe in which we try to survive these things and grow from it hopefully I think we do. I think I we do, do too. I'm pretty positive on right? Me too. <laughs> I carry a positive attitude on that. I, I feel like you. we do. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about rent for a moment there. Sure. Kind of switch yeah. gears. Let's do so, it. So, what is rent? I mean, of course, it's a play, you know, but what is it? What do we try to achieve by, uh, or what do you try to achieve by well, hosting it, as you, I guess you could say? Most, most shows in my department division mm -hmm. get picked by roundtable discussion. So the year before, we had done Oklahoma with the music department, right, and yep. it was very successful. Mm -hmm. But what people have to understand, we sold out every seat for Oklahoma, seven performances. <laughs> wow. We made $12,000, and the show cost $30,000. Is that $12,000 after the fact? or No, that's $12,000 gross, and we spent thirty. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an $18,000 loss. Right. Well, if you're in a professional theater, you can't function like that. Sure, sure. So, and nor can you in academe. I mean, we're, we're not a school with a big allotment of money to spend. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> we're a good school. I love it here. I've been here 15 years. Mm -hmm. All my children have gone here to school. I adore this school. But we ain't brown. You know, we ain't pen. I mean, yeah. we are who we are. Naturally. And so we decided to do a musical follow-up to Oklahoma since the kids like to do musicals. We kicked around Man of La Mancha, everything I know I learned in kindergarten. You know, we talked to the music department. They felt that financially they didn't want to, you know, take another ride like that. So anyway, Rent was a show that I felt we could do and mm -hmm. the other faculty agreed. And we also thought that we, why we want to do Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, South Pacific, Carousel, the, you know, the Beethoven and Bach of musical theater. We also want to do In the Heights, Spring Awakening, and Rent. Rent was a magical show, is a magical show. I saw it in New York twice, off-Broadway. It was the hair of its generation. I mean, you were driven hair, to your right? feet. You really were. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it on Broadway, and it didn't lose anything in the trend. And then there's the tragedy of the author, Jonathan Larson, dying the week it opened. Really? What happened there? Uh, it was a disease. I, I, I'd have to re-Google, but it oh, was sure. a disease that was could have been fixed had someone picked up on mm -hmm. it. It'd be like if you and I are sitting here with a 200 over 100 blood pressure, nobody yeah. can tell, yeah, sure. and I leave the studio and I drop. I drop. Mm -hmm. So we had a kind of disease that should have been caught. So that made the show kind of a miracle. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then in 1996, it won the Tony for Best Musical. It won the Tony for Best Book. And it's sort of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's become an anthem show yeah. for sub subsequent young people. Exactly. So we picked it, um, had auditions. Uh, Dominic Aquilino from the music department worked as musical director. Zach Ross, who uh, graduated as a music and theater double major, uh, hired a band for me, put a young band together. It was a live band on stage, right? Live band on stage, and they were fabulous. Now, they also created a problem when we did open. We hadn't quite solved the sound problem because you've got actors on mics and then you have uh, the band on speakers, so getting that. But we did get it by the second night. Mm, and uh, so I felt really good, and I, I thought it was really, we had five performances and sold them out. 
Wonderful. So. Well, that's actually a great place to stop here because okay. we are running out of time. So thank you for watching Spotlight ETSU. We're here in Wharf Pickle. This is Pat Cronin, and I'm Stephen Jansen. Thanks for joining us.